This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. William Heaven Hill. Give it Tell a smell. Uh, you good over there? <laughs> Damn. It's a big sniff. Welcome to Whiskey and White Tales, episode number 22. Today is Monday. Damn. Uh, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, 17th? Yeah, it'll be the 17th. Monday the 17th. It is Monday the 17th. 2021. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on a Monday. We have another special guest for you this week. His name is Colton. What's up, guys? I'm back again. <sighs> yes, sir. Round two. Round two of the Palmetto Bourbon Colton podcast. And this time we're going to talk Heaven Hill. We're going to talk Facebook raffles, um, how those work. We're going to talk some other stuff. Uh, it's going to be a good show. And yeah. it is powered by, what are we drinking, Colton? We are drinking uh, the William Heaven Hill 13-year bottle and bond. William Heaven Hill. Give it's it a yummy. smell. <laughs> You good over there? <laughs> Damn, it's a big sniff. Yeah, oh, but no, it's, it's it is very good. Yeah, it smells nice. Nice, it smells nice. We've been drinking for three and a half hours. Hours. Yeah, that's been a while. Um, I'm gonna give it a taste. So we're drinking William Heaven Hill 13-Year Bottle and Bond from the distillery. This is a distillery-only release um, that is based on their original mash bill back from 1939. Oh, wow. Wow. How old is this bottle? 13 years. Mm. So it is, a, it is not a single-barrel product, but it is a blended product that they do with their mash bill. Um, I think it's awesome, personally. Oh, I like it a There's lot. There's a lot of history in this bottle. Is there... They don't obviously don't make it anymore. It was only made once, so he said. No, this is made this is made once a year, um, oh. and you can pick it up at the distillery. 
They do different releases. Sometimes they'll do anywhere from from twelve to thirteen to fourteen. But um, I think they also offer this in barrel proof. Believe it or not, really? Yep, at the distillery only in some cases. I do like it. <clears throat> Tell me why Heaven Hill? Why is that your? You got because you got a whiskey shelf in here and you got a bunch of stuff on it, but. One side is almost all Heaven Hill products. <laughs> well, I would say just Heaven Hill, the consistency of it is is wonderful. Um, I, when I first started drinking and getting into bourbon, Elijah Craig was one of the first bottles that I, I acquired um, when I got into the bourbon game. And those characteristics that you get from an Elijah Craig um, sit with you for a while. The consistency in every bottle is very similar um until you get to you know obviously their barrel proof products are going to are vary quite a bit but um as far as just the overall quality that heaven hill releases yearly um you're not going to get a lot of variation from it and it's something that i am always going to be you know wanting to drink i know some people like for example like buffalo trays heaven hill Old Forester, you name it, everybody's got their own kick that they just truly enjoy over over any distillery, and, and Heaven Hill's one of mine. Which just might be, we might need to even go further back than that, because I don't know if everybody knows how distilleries work. So Heaven Hill is a distillery and owns several brands. Correct. Um, right. So Because some people are like, well, what is he talking about? He said Elijah Craig, but he's talking about Heaven Hill. Maybe they don't, maybe we start there. Yeah, so the crazy thing is like, um, at one point in time, this was during the Great Depression, I believe, that um, Heaven Hill Distillery was actually called Old Heaven Hill Spring Distillery. And then the Bean family um, came in and actually invested in the company back during the Depression and spent anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000 back in the day to get this thing up and running, which during that time period was an atrocious amount of money. It was 16000 I looked it up. Uh, I was looking up stuff this morning, and that's one of the things I saw. Yeah, so just, I mean, just think back during the Depression period, and you just, you just invested that much money in a distillery that, that you wanted to, you know, start making your own bourbon in uh, during a time where many people were struggling uh, in the United States. So um, once that became you know once they invested in that company it ended up being instead of the spring they took the spring out and just made it heaven hill distillery um and then that's when back in you know once the depression started coming out of phase and then in 1939 they introduced their first bottle and bond which was heaven hill bottle and bond and now they own what are all the brands under heaven hill oh wow there's well, a bunch of them as now, many dude. as you can name what are the, so, the most popular I mean, you know Parker Beam, Parker's Heritage, of course. Um, you know, you got the Henry McKenna. Uh, they required Old Fitzgerald, which was a uh, Stitzel Weller product at one point. Um, they acquired them um, a couple years ago. And um, what else you got? I mean, God, they got so many guys. Elijah Craig. Yeah, Elijah Craig being one of them, too. I mean, <laughs> they got tons. Let me ask you my first question. So the Larceny A121, the Elijah Craig A121, mm-hmm. what is the difference? The Larceny, uh, the Larceny uh, Fitzgerald. So this year uh, in particular, you're talking about just the A121 compared to the prior releases? Yeah, because there's a Larceny one and an Elijah Craig one. And I wonder. So some I don't know why they've done this this year, which I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, they've started proofing down their bourbon in 2021 as far as their Larceny release and their Elijah Craig release. Um, but in return, you get a lot more of a flavorful you know profile there. Um, it's not 
you know, hot peanuts, um, as I like to call it for some of the B520 batches and stuff from Larceny. And um, it just opens up a whole new palette, which, you know, in return can sometimes be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what your proof range is. Yeah, I think um, you you mentioned them starting to proof down some of their stuff that obviously expands the amount of stuff they can produce, probably because you have half of it on your shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't they can't afford to keep keep up with uh, demand because you keep buying it all. <laughs> Love the it's product, good stuff man. though, man. It's it's really good stuff. Yeah, um, I mean it's kind of it's kind of curious, you know. I'm curious how this year is going to pan out with, um, you know, they've they've made this barrel proof lineup and you know, everything's been in the 120 range or more. And, you know, now you're starting to see them dropping it below 120 in some of these cases, which I don't know why that could be. We all know it's straight from the barrel product and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Elijah Craig being a minimum 12 year and then the larceny being anywhere from, from, uh, you know, they're saying it's an eight year product, um, blended. So I'm curious how, um, you know, just between batch to batch, you know, they do three releases a year. Um, just curious what their overall, like, um, I'm trying to think of the word here, just like scope of who they're trying to dial in on. Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of us, like all us three in this room, particularly like barrel proof products. And then, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't particularly care for that. Um, so I wonder what they're trying to fit in their range as far as uh, what they're making in these batches. What's weird about the barrel proof stuff is, you know, uh, the average whiskey guy has never heard of it, doesn't have it, doesn't, they wouldn't even notice that the bottle was different if they went to go buy to Elijah, Elijah Craig. So the yeah. people that are drinking it, you know, we like it because of the wit, what it is. So they've built this following and all of us that buy it because we like what they've been doing, mm-hmm. then they change it. I, I think it's a kind of a stupid business decision, but there has to be a reason. Well, I mean, historically that's not, it's backfired for a lot of folks. I mean, I think the, one of the most recent ones, uh, Examples would be uh, Maker's Mark a few years ago in order to keep up with demand said they were going to proof down their stuff and yeah. uh, consumers lost their shit. Yep, they did. Uh, they, yeah. they Then people basically said, look, we'd rather we'd rather it be harder to get a hold of uh, or you increase the price yeah. than, than to change the product. And they went back. They did. <laughs> they, they, they made a public apology oh. and said, we do this for you and this is what you want. This is what you're going to get. Maybe I'm, we need to start here and just be very loud with um, Heaven Hill and tell them they're screwing up. So here's the thing, too, just so not to key on, you know, the Heaven Hill thing. And, you know, maybe maybe they are making a bad decision with this. You know, they're whatever they're doing, they're still doing it the right way. But I do know, as you guys know, a huge king factor on the bourbon industry right now is the single barrel select products. And it almost every distillery is now doing some type of barrel pick process. And. I think that's where Heaven Hill may have got caught on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but they have they do offer a Elijah Craig barrel proof and a Larceny barrel proof store pick. Mm. You know, so they are allowing you to get a barrel proof single barrel in that brand now that they weren't doing prior. Um, so that might be where you know maybe they're having less barrels to pick from this year because they are doing a lot of store pick you know opportunities for people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is a huge boom in the in our market right now. Um, I mean, just think about it. You know, you're talking about 2020, 2021. You know, going into this year, I think 2020 was a huge push for a just a single barrel, you know, pick product from yeah. whether you were a local 
liquor store or a, you know, national brand, you know, national store like Total Wine or such, you know, everybody has jumped into the store pick game. Mm-hmm. And um, I think across the board that might have played a factor in that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because store picks have gone through the roof. Oh, no um, doubt. It's, I mean, a lot of people, for instance, we had a guy over here earlier and, and he wasn't totally familiar. I don't know if you picked up on that or not, mm-hmm. but uh, he wasn't sure what it, he was like, what are these stickers for? Uh, a lot of people that are into whiskey and bourbon don't even know about not only the, um, anyone can do it. So like private clubs are doing it and liquor stores are doing it. But yeah, that's, if they buy an entire barrel, that's an entire barrel that's not being used for Yeah, you name product. it. I mean, I'm not saying we can go do it, but I mean, yeah. I know in instances where, you know, as long as we came in there and, you know, we're working on new riff right now, you know, um, on our side, but you know, just when that example, I mean, technically all you have to do is pick up the bottles from the distillery, you know, yep. they'll, they'll bottle it for you. You don't have to have the license at that point. I, I, I mean, I'm saying that as of an opinion, but I don't think you need the liquor license at that point. You just go pick it up from them and do whatever you want with it. Cause you've already bought the barrel, you know? Yeah. You just got to figure out what you're going to, yeah, like, as far as distribution, that's all on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on out there where there's just a lot of communities or Facebook groups or, you know, liquor store owners, you name it. I mean, everybody's going out and doing these barrel selects now, um, which I think we're going to just continue to see that drive our market as far as the bourbon market into years to come. I think it will too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're already seeing it locally. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to get into Heaven Hill, what would be, in your opinion, something that it's not super hard to find but but it's not just something that's on the shelf and they should go try if i had to pick three bottles off the top of my head it would be evan williams bottle and bond white label um yeah and definitely uh an elijah craig bottle def- preferably a store pick guys uh, you can buy a store pick elijah craig whether it's eight year to 12 year and you can get it for the same price as a regular elijah craig bottle it's it's ridiculous yeah. um and then you know I would say, I mean, you know, throw some larceny in there. I mean, just generic larceny. Just give it a try. It's a good mixer. And um, they even make store picks and larcenies now, too. So, I mean, yeah. there's... there's. I just if, got if, a larceny store pick. Yeah, I got one the other day, too. It's just, it's mind-boggling how um, how many single-barrel picks are coming out. But, yeah, the Elijah Craig is, is huge. Definitely... Um, you got to keep it on that Evan Williams side and even do, I would say, a Heaven Hill 7 or a Heaven Hill 6 year if you can find the green label. Um, I think the green label now is only a distillery release, but I could be wrong. But um, I know they still are issuing some of those out to the market. So I saw a Heaven Hill bottled and bond, um, the blue one. Mm-hmm. I saw one yesterday for $85. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah, don't buy Definitely look up what these things cost because there are liquor stores that will put things. I mean, that's a thirty-five dollar bottle, you know, yeah, those, all day long. Those two seven years I got for forty bucks even. Yeah, but and, I, and it's a great product. I looked it up just to tell you all, so we have them all on here. So the Heaven Hill, everybody knows the Henry McKenna, uh, Bernheim, Rittenhouse, Larceny, Old Fitz, and uh, <clears throat> the um, Parker's Heritage, mm-hmm. Pikesville Rye, Elijah Craig. We said. Um, but Evan Williams is probably a big one yes, for people. And then Mellow Corn is also a 
have so, a hell product. I don't know if this is like completely factual or not, but um, when the bourbon boom, I guess moonshining started, you know, right after the Civil War time period and everybody started getting pretty crazy in it, um, you know, the moonshining industry went to a huge boom in the market. And I think Evan Williams was one of the first commercial distilleries in Kentucky. Hmm. Hmm. So fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure um, Evan Williams was one of the first commercial distilleries in the United States. I believe it. I looked. I watched a, like a mini documentary this morning just to understand their history. But the um, one of the big things a lot of people don't know is that Jim Beam has been the dis- distiller for Heaven Hill for a long time. As in, he built from Jim Beam go run the stills. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really? You got Parker, yeah, Parker, Craig. Craig Beam is now the master distiller there currently. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, no, m- most of the Beams are master distillers at Heaven Hill. Yes. Did not know that. Interesting. But they... Um, that would understand why I like a lot of things that come out of Heaven Hill and also like Jim Beam yeah, stuff yeah. a lot too, yeah. Yeah, we, we both are pretty big um, Beam fans. Yeah, you're talking about, about that creative process they have. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just something like we talk about all the time, like things that you can readily get and drink all the time. Yep. At at a super reasonable price, like I, you could drop me in, in the middle of a town, just about anywhere, and I could find it and have mm-hmm. an enjoyable drink. Jim Beam White Label, um, and even even Evan Williams uh, Bottle and Buy. It's a little harder to find sometimes, but both great great options. Yeah, they're single barrel. They have Williams single barrels. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I think the I one thing that got me keyed on Heaven Hill so much, honestly, is at the, not only was it one of the first things that I truly enjoyed in bourbon when I first started, but I mean, just the affordability of the product is what really yeah. makes yep. that the cream of the crop, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can pretty much find anything for a reasonable cost and not get shafted. Yep, for sure. Yep, and it's accessible. And also, I didn't know this until recently, but Fighting Cock is a Heaven Hill product. Yeah, it is. Um, I have a personal affinity with fighting cock from college. Uh, <laughs> nice. There's some, some nights that uh, we'll, we'll maybe discuss and tell some stories of when I'm not recording <laughs> that started with uh, finishing a bottle of fighting cock. So the fighting cock story is fascinating. Um, we got tagged in a post today. Different. That's uh, chicken cock. Chicken cock. Sorry. Yeah, chicken uh, cock's my bad. One. I was going to say, they just said chicken cock wasn't, wasn't around until recently. All this cock talk. This is, this is good. This yeah. podcast is going off the yeah, rails. Yeah, quick. Three men in one room with a yeah. lady in the corner. <laughs> chicken cock, fighting cock. Cold <laughs> cock. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, so, throw, throw a sound effect in there real quick. Just any, any oh, sound effect. Yeah, it's just, I can't reach it today. So yeah, it's I know. A little, I just, uh, <laughs> we have to use these buttons, people. There's a, it, that's money per, per click. There's Sweet. A, there's a, there's a. Check that out. Yep. <clears throat> what are we on, SNL? Yeah, yeah. We have our live audience attending. <laughs> I just needed, I just needed a, we got to use them, you know? Yeah. You paid for it, you got to use it. That's badass. <laughs> um, but no, did y'all know that, um, y'all may already know this, um, but Johnny Fitzgerald was, was obviously acquired by Heaven Hill and it was a Stitzel Weller product before, but, um, old, uh, Johnny Fitzgerald was a distiller, um, back in the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. And when he basically retired, he gave his barrels to, uh, the Van Winkles. Oh, wow. So that's kind of how that. that happened. And then Stitzel Weller took over 
And um, from there, that's when Heaven Hill acquired them. That's the other thing, too, is how these huge brands change distilleries. The original Pappy Van Winkle was a wild turkey product. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of those Fitzgerald barrels ended up being Pappy bottles Interesting. eventually. Yeah, there's a lot of people that kind of, um, you know, there know was that. a lot of Fitzgeralds in there, but a lot of, you know, during that time period of the 1900s, um, you know, Julian and those guys were using those bottles um, for parties and whatnot from the Fitzgerald line. Huh. So he basically bought all the barrels when he retired and was like, it's now under the rights of Pappy. Have you, speaking of Julian, have you ever seen his Instagram? No. Dude. Oh, have you seen it, Colton? No. All right. He he doesn't really let a lot of people follow him, but I, he let me in. Interesting. Look at his, uh, just like, it's just a regular dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old man. And he posts pictures like, here's a picture of a dock. Um, Nothing he's got like an that. old Cadillac sitting in front of his, no, it's a 66 Lincoln. Nice. He went to Five Guys, posted a picture of Five Guys. My man. Good for him. But yeah. Just he's an old just dude living. with a regular... And every once in a while, he'll throw in like his Pappy collection, which yeah, he's just as living you can a normal imagine. life and having a good time. Yeah, he seems like a cool dude. So the crazy thing is that I I've learned with bourbon, and I learned this last year, kind of just following more into it. But the distilleries are like family to each other too. Oh, even yeah. though they're you know even though they're kind of competitors at the end of the day, they still help each other out no matter what. I mean, think about the flood that they just went through. You know, this year I believe it was. Um, up in Kentucky where all those barrels just got ruined due to the flood that they just had. Yep. And all of them are coming together to do everything they can to just make sure that they can take care of their products together. It doesn't matter who is affected by it. They're all working together to make yeah. sure that they can take care of each other. Well, Heaven Hill Fire was, was one of the big ones. They 1996. Lost, I think they lost 14 warehouses, rick houses <sighs> full was, of whiskey. Yeah. Um, and all these distilleries stepped up and, and started brewing for them or uh, distilling for them to get their numbers back up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Which yeah, I we, always think is funny. We talked about that with with uh, Chief Mercer. Yeah, yeah, we did. Is that you know if if I'm buying Old Fitzgerald and that you know and Heaven Hill product and it has a fire and now Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and other people are distilling for them and they're still bottling it and calling it Elijah Craig. It's like, would you get a bottle of Elijah Craig and be like, this tastes funny? And it's like, oh, that's because it's uh, it's Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird how that works. So, yeah. like, I know in a lot of cases when they had the 1996 fire and, and they lost a lot of barrels, um, you know, obviously because of warehouse limitations, not all the barrels were destroyed, but the barrels that they could not house, they actually sent to other distilleries to inventory for them at the time before they could mm-hmm. get back up and running. So, you know, I guess you can still say it's sourced, but, uh, or excuse me, it's distilled, but um, as far as where it's sitting in inventory, who knows, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but That's the whole wild. the whole Heaven Hill guys. I mean, I mean the whole Beam family was a. If I mean, there were tons of investors, and they invested in tons of product throughout the 1900s, um, which have led them to where they are today. Which is honestly, in my opinion, if not the top tier or number two tier in Kentucky as far as a distillery. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know about y'all, but I, I feel like they're up there on the top three chain as far as you know just what they're putting out currently. Well, I'll tell you that that 14 old fits you gave yeah. me, mm-hmm. I'd rather have that over that lot B I've got. Honestly. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's good. Did you have it yet? I hadn't. I said this was the last thing I was going to drink tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> things change. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. I mean, this is just, I mean, this 13-year bottom bond is just Heaven Hill at its finest. 
I mean, you, you picture Heaven Hill and what it's all about, and you know the taste profile. I mean, this is it in a nutshell. It's Just very aged good. a different, you yeah, know. It's really differently. good. Yep, like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. It's, um, yeah, it sort of just hits all the right, mm-hmm. all the little, you know, like when you, when you look for a bourbon and you, and you think to yourself, you know, those notes that you want on the, on the palate, the, the things you want on the nose. <clears throat> and then of course the things that are synonymous uh, with heaven hill, when you think of them, this, this really hits each of those right. I mean, right down home plate. Yeah. It's yeah you could easily drink this every day, but probably that not. bottle wouldn't last very long. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> and, and that retails for $200. Wow. At the distillery itself. So they're very Jeez. proud of the product. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I would be too. Why. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. We definitely appreciate Absolutely, that. Absolutely, guys. Well, since we're talking about retail, let's shift into second gear. Second gear or second market? <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> we, there's a lot we can secondary. talk about on this. Um, I think we might want to start with secondary because the secondary prices that people want for stuff is kind of what leads us into these. Um, auctions and raffles that people do because they're it's multiple people pitching in only thirty dollars but at the end of the day you're you're giving this guy like twelve hundred dollars for this bottle yeah. which is those prices came you from may not secondary. necessarily being doing that but yeah. yeah at the end of the day he is still scoring out pretty big and most people have this um need to gamble at something like everybody likes it a little oh, bit during, during covid it's it's yeah. just exploded yep i don't know anybody likes to really gamble as he stares at me i'm a gambling fool um well let's start with secondary so why there's a shortage we don't know um increased drinkers um you know there's probably a lot of things contributing to it but certain types of bottles are just not it could be people hoarding it i don't know but they just they're just not available you just cannot get them all-time high demand yeah that's yes it is which we've kind of touched on a little bit in the past, but but it's it's like after Prohibition, when everything came back around, they started to, it was like the war, you know? The, mm-hmm. And after the war, those kids that were turned into hippies, and, and then a and hippie generation was like, we don't want to do anything. We don't want bourbon. Yeah, we don't want we don't anything do to do anything that it. our parents did. We don't want it. So they started drinking gin and vodka, and just whiskey mm-hmm. went away, and it just wasn't a thing. And so these companies started making these extremely old eight to ten year bourbons because nobody was buying them. So that's what they had, and they were watering them down like crazy. Yep, but they is, would say it's terrible to think about. That's where it started. Is they said it if you're not drinking eight to twelve year bourbon, then you're drinking cheap junk. But what it actually was was a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. And um, in that marketing ploy, what the, what they ended up doing is creating this thing that people think that they need to be drinking eight to ten year eight to twelve year bourbon it's just not true um but <clears throat> now here we are 2021 things have happened these eight to twelve year bourbons are next to impossible to find unless there's small things that people don't know about but we talk yep. about pappy um pappy has exploded can't get it goes for crazy money um, and anything buffalo trace yes, or Sazerac. that's what happened is they go yeah. oh well yeah. pappy is just old Buffalo Trace, you know, and now Buffalo Trace, you can't find it. You just can't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do get it, a lot of times it's overpriced. What What are your thoughts and smells and opinions on on that part before we get into like just the secondary market in general? It sucks. Yeah. It's a load of shit. It's very disappointing. Yeah. That's all I really got to say about it. I hate it that, I, that we just can't find what we used to anymore. Um, 
And, you know, where we live in South Carolina, it, it, it makes sense for a store owner to feel ashamed when, you know, somebody can leave his store at a retail price of a bottle of, let's just say, Pappy, for example. And then he, you know, with the networking and social media, you know, the groups, everything. Now you can just go flip that bottle and make yeah. a profit on it. And, you know, with COVID, it's been a struggle for a lot of people around the nation and, you know, the world, I guess you can say. But, I mean, a lot of people that have not been working, that is their way now of making a profit. And it's kind of a scary situation in the bourbon industry because now that is that is driven the secondary market. And in a state like South Carolina where we do not have any type of government um issued retail prices or something like abc like north carolina virginia for example um you know the secondary market has just grown into not only what is happening through social media or just in day-to-day talk but now the liquor store owners are feeling you know well if that guy left my store and sold it for that then i should just put a price tag on it too and just do it because what's the benefit if i'm not doing it these abc states they they say this is what this bottle retails for. That is what you sell it for. The liquor store sells it for that amount. Mm-hmm. Um, where we live, we don't have it. It's kind of what we're talking about. Is our, our liquor stores could they can put whatever price they want. So yeah. you can go to ten different stores and look at the same exact bottle, and they will vary yeah. wildly in price. Like yeah, I just yeah. said, there was a thirty dollar bottle of Bottle and Bond at Heaven Hill for eighty five dollars. I saw it yesterday, and it's and and that's the reason why because people will buy them if it's cheap and they mm-hmm. won't open them. They will flip them because somebody has the money and doesn't have the time to go out and look for it. And that's, and that's basically, it's a shame. It really sucks that you have to become good friends with a store owner in order to buy something at retail price. And and like in South Carolina, for example, I mean, the ABCs may not necessarily get the same amount of allocation as somebody like us in South Carolina or a state that is not ABC. Right. Um, so we are fortunate where we live, where we do have a fairly good availability on, you know, higher end bourbon. But the counter to that is like we're talking about, they're either going to be higher priced or they're going to hold them for a friend or which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but you know, the higher pricing is where it definitely throws it in a loop where you're going to get shafted regardless, because there's always that scarcity of I'm a store owner and you already know what's happening around you in your area that somebody's selling that bottle. So in return, you're just going to sell it for the same price as somebody and make your money thinking that you'll do it. Even though the guy who's buying it from the liquor store is going to be like, you're a dick for this. Well, you're a dick for selling it online for, (laughs) you know, $200 more than I just sold it for you to. And I'm getting the short on the stick. So it's a big conflict of interest throughout the whole scenario honestly i mean the liquor store owners are selling it legally as a job yeah. to put food on their table right. these people that are selling it online are selling it illegally and shipping it through the mail which is not allowed correct and um i i honestly see some kind of law enforcement crackdown coming on it there has to, it has to be because the market it's getting out of control it's just it's it's uh it's getting way out of hand to a point where i'm kind of curious how much longer it's going to last until it, the, the thing is though like how do you stop it though that's well, it, it teared off, and then the people started realizing they could raffle it. And so that's mm-hmm. so those of you that are wondering how 
these raffle works. Colton knows a, I know a I, decent I amount. I raffle, so I'm so just going to go ahead and admit it. You're in it. I do too. Yeah. I do it as well. Um, and it's honestly a huge waste of money. But, I mean, sometimes you win out big, but but there's it's just it's gambling, folks. So when mm-hmm. you look at it and the, and the guy has 100 spots, that means you have a 1 in 100 chance of winning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, even though it's only $20 for 100 spots, it's, you know, you're not going to the chances are very low. So you want to find the ones that are a little bit higher price with less slots, but then you're losing more money. So it's kind of like, what do you do? You know, but I want to, it's all cryptic because Facebook will shut it down. Venmo will close your account. If they see that you're doing illegal alcohol sales, um, for payment. So will PayPal. Um, but I want to talk about like the abbreviations. So like PPFF is PayPal friends and family. Um, so that way you don't get charged the fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kind of go through when you log into a secondary page, kind of go through like what the post will say and what those things mean, what those abbreviations are and, and how people can get in it. And while you do it, I think I'm going to go pour more of your old fit, Cheryl. Tim <laughs> four. Well, I'm not going to go completely in depth with all the, uh, all the hints and tricks because one Zuckerberg will probably suck me. And um, suck. yeah, then I'll definitely be screwed. So there are some key points that people do make on these on these raffle sites, but we're not going to get too in depth with it. Um, but for example, I mean, I, I'll just say that I, I won two Elijah Craig Barrel Proof bottles for, um, you know, I, I bought a spot and it was 25 bucks and I got two Elijah Craig Barrel Proofs for $25. Am I absolutely excited? Yes. I'm thinking I'm, I'm freaking stoked about it, and I, I'm, I'm glad I got them. But that guy had, like we're talking about, 20, 30 entries on that site, and one out of 30, you know, what's 30 times 25? I mean, that that's an atrocious amount of money there. So stuff like that, I mean, is why. It's $750. So you got $750 for those two bottles. Just using that as an example. I mean, and, sickening. And, and the bottles were, were older issued barrel proofs. They weren't, you know, they weren't modern barrel proof ones. Yeah. So he felt like he had an edge to do it. And, you know, rather if that raffle doesn't fill all the way, he'll run it. If it does fill all the way, good for him, you know, or her, whoever's doing it. Yeah. But, you know, there's always, it's always at the end of the day, hey, you know, I just threw in $25, no big deal. Well, so did 20 other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, oh, I didn't win. I'm allowed 25 bucks, no big deal. It's like you're in Vegas, basically. Oh, I just threw in some money or whatever, you know? I lost it. I had every expectation to lose, whatever. But at the end of the day, somebody could pay, you know, 100 bucks for two bottles, and then it just made 500 to 600 bucks off that, yep. you know, just by doing it. And shipping is, is little to nothing, I'm sure, illegally, obviously, but... Yeah, I mean, this is going around every second of every day in the bourbon industry. Um, if you're going to ship, by the way, do not use USPS. <laughs> do not use the post office. No, because that's if like you the get worst caught, one. If you get caught by the post office, you are in serious trouble. Like no, criminal trouble. Yeah, you're if not you only get, breaking like... Uh, like These are federal laws. laws, but <laughs> yeah. now you're using the federal post office to yeah. break those laws. It, Do not use that one. It involves an entirely if you use set of laws. UPS, they will be mad at you. Um, <laughs> that's probably about it. If you use FedEx, that you you're probably pretty safe with FedEx. 
Um, UPS, you won't get in trouble, but because they allow shipping of alcohol, you just have to claim it. But then that requires a bunch of stuff that you don't mm-hmm. have. Um, but you do not want to put it to the post office. I, I'm telling you, cops will show up if you get caught. I mean, they don't check every package, but but then they do these. Um, one of the ones I saw had a lot of the BTAC in it, and the end price ended up being like forty two hundred dollars um, for these bottles. But it was like, I don't remember the price, but he had 30 spots and couldn't fill it. So then they do these satellite raffles. Yep. Which which is crazy. It's basically they'll open up another 10 spots at half the price. And then you can, people that don't want to spend the $140 for the main spot, you can go to the satellite spot. They'll open up 10 spots and the first three people get into the um, you, big one. You always want to get a satellite. Yeah, you gain a huge advantage if you got a satellite. That doesn't seem fair. It's not. It's not. It's not. But so it's how you fill a raffle. This these raffles. Some of these raffles sound like a game of uh, whose line is it? Is it anyway? Where the rules are made up. The yeah. rules are made up, and uh, mm-hmm. the points don't matter. Yeah, like, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Sometimes that is the case. Yeah. If you have a huge collection and you want to get rid of it, these raffles are the thing to do mm-hmm. right now. Interesting. But they, it's. It just sucks because it keeps driving yeah. the price. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody in this room, we get it. I mean, cash is king. So everybody's looking for a way to make money regardless of what it is, always. You could be selling a damn toothpick. You know, lumber prices are atrocious. You could sell a toothpick for $10. Hell, I mean. We can yeah. sell whiskey barrels for. Oh, God, <clears throat> we don't even need to get into that. That's <laughs> just crazy. Start ripping whiskey barrels and sell them as planks of. I saw one, a, one by fours. I saw a post the other day on social media and someone had a five gallon can of gas and then like a sheet of plywood. <laughs> and it was like five gallons of gas, sheet of plywood, 2,500. Don't yeah. lowball me. I know, I know what I got yeah. here. Firm offer. Yeah. That's so crazy. Everything right now like that. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. And I think, I truly think like since we're on the bourbon topic of wood and, you know, everything else, I, I do think these, you know, in the home building industry, which is what I'm in, we are seeing a white oak shortage in product. And we've already had meetings about it where the bourbon industry is getting dibs on the white oak barrel or, you know, white oak products to make the barrels, which is fair. Um, so yeah, I'm, fine, it, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I am too. So, I mean, you know, a lot of those allocations of white oak trees are going towards the bourbon companies to, to keep redoing their stocks and, and keep creating product, which is great. Um, but, I care way more about whiskey than I do somebody's handrail <laughs> on their stairs stairway. But it's just it just goes to show you that if the home building industry is is experiencing a shortage on white oak, then you know I wonder how it's truly going to affect the distilleries in the long term. You know, as far as their inventory, um, are they going to age barrels longer, or are they just going to continue to create profit and maybe do barrels that aren't as aged as long. I think that they'll probably start making a lot more whiskey um, because bourbon has to be in a brand new chart of barrel. Yep. So I think that they'll end up making bourbon and then reusing those barrels to make whiskey. And that's not necessarily a bad idea. Yeah. Um, And bourbon comes out relatively great. I mean, it's not technically bourbon, but yeah, I mean, it comes out still relatively good drinking out of an ex bourbon barrel uh, that's reused, honestly. Well, like our our furniture grade barrels that we just bought twenty five furniture grade Heaven Hill barrels, actually. But um, the reason they're furniture grade is because they're beautiful. They're they're in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are bourbon barrels because they're they're filled 
treated nicely and then dumped and then yeah. they get rid of them. They don't reuse them. So they're just finished and they don't age them very long or no, they're aged, but I mean, how old, how, what's, how long are they aging heaven Hill? Like just like standard, just like regular yeah, heaven just, Hill? Yeah. Four to five years. Yeah. So these are four year old barrels that's, yeah. that, that probably were put in a warehouse and not touched for yeah, four so years. They'll, they'll handpick ones that didn't have a whole lot of leaking, didn't have anything dripping on them from another barrel. They're nice and clean and they're called furniture grade and they put a premium price on them. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But they're real nice and uh, they still have a sort of a, a much more clean white look to the wood. They're, they're pretty cool. They don't need as much work to look nice nah, in the house. Where like That's some awesome. of the barrels that we get are beat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they look, you know, it's funny because one of the stave smoke kits we sent to somebody, the guy reached out and said, uh, he's like, this is interesting because the, this stave kit, it seems like it's charred on both sides. I was like, no, it's just, it's just <laughs> really beat. Old ass, this is an old <laughs> ass barrel. That was a really old barrel. It's just hammered. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, and the other thing is some of these, some of the barrels, you know, they get dumped and then they get put outside and rained on and yeah. they, the weather beats them up. Yeah. That's and I true. think ones like this, they take and they dump them and they're, they're stored elsewhere um, or covered. And so they don't get as much, they don't get weathered as much. Yeah, but that would be interesting to see what happens to bourbon. Uh, I don't know how long that would take for us to see the effect of a wood right. shortage. Yeah, because we're not the stuff we're drinking now is bottled and it's been aging for it's been yeah you know, long time, at least two yeah. years. But most the cases, stuff, the stuff four that to we eight. Li- the stuff that we like to drink is four to eight, and yeah. and, and and up sometimes. So, mm-hmm. so it it would probably be close to ten years before we start seeing right the effects of this. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, honestly. Um, you know, we can all predict what it's gonna do, but at the end of the day, all we care about is hoping that we can continue to get quality products from distillers we love. And um, you know, I think that's I think that's gonna ultimately be the goal. Obviously, that is the goal is is your customer always needs to have the best you know service from what he's buying. So if you're gonna present a good product that is a hundred percent what needs to happen regardless um, of what you pay for it. So hopefully they'll continue to not just throw bullshit out there and keep putting quality products out for the consumer. Well, another thing I wonder too, is I think a lot of wood for like your industry, uh, a lot, I think a lot of it's imported where this bourbon barrels, they have to be American white oak. So they're American. They're correct trees. We already have. So there may not really be that a huge, there's probably a shortage for spares, but there may not be as much of a shortage as we think. Yeah. It's a mix of both. So we do a lot of domestic and import. Um, so it just all depends, but yeah, you, you are absolutely right. It's all from America, which is, which is huge. Um, costs, costs a lot more, unfortunately, but yeah. I just um, thought of a new sound bite from, uh, that movie with the uh, America, America, America. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time we say America in a song, yeah. we're hit that Just button. Hit that button. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we got to fill these buttons. I was yeah. looking. Uh, I was looking at Heaven Hill's website. Just curious. They do char levels three and char levels four. So I'm curious how the inside of those barrels are going to look. Um, That's pretty deep char between. Three are you and planning four. on opening it? No. Okay. Because I mean, you can look through the bung hole, but um. <laughs> It's fun to say. You can get a flashlight and pop that bunghole open and look inside there, and you could see the char. But yeah, from the outside, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, but four level char kind of looks like alligator skin to me. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then um, toasted barrels just look like I don't know toast. 
<laughs> and honestly, it's like a little hard. It's freaking black toast. <laughs> yeah, and then three three is not really a huge difference, and then two you can tell a big difference between two and four. But it's also funny the the chart these the torches that they I don't even think you can call them torches the the dragons that they uh, use to breathe yeah. fire into these barrels. <laughs> it's not a long time. The difference the time difference between level one and level four is not really. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is right now, but it's it's seconds. It's not that long. They let it sit and burn too, right? Like they roll it away from the fire and it continues to yeah, burn. Yeah, it continues to burn. It's on yeah. fire. It's wild. So this is yeah. a fun fact, just looking at this stuff. Um, just sitting over here kind of looking at their aging processes. So Heaven Hill has come down to a science where they're saying an average of 6% of the bourbon is lost every year in their barrel. And yeah. 3% of that soaks within the wood. Yep. Yeah, I believe That's it. That's pretty neat. And then the angel share comes out. Yeah. There's, yep. um, there's a lot of cool little pictures you can look at that show from one to 12 years, how much whiskey, like they have the show, they show the whiskey yeah. on the side. And then we after were, we were one, watching two, a, right? um, we were watching a documentary the other day. What was it? The Jim beam distillery, or mm. I forget what it was. And they were talking about how many gallons goes into a, the barrel is, what is it? I don't even remember, but you lose, like it was just a little over half is all you actually get yeah. after it's done aging for, I think that was four years. Yeah. That's crazy to think about because if you think about if they're saying six percent per year, yeah, I mean, mathematically, you're talking about almost three quarters of your barrel mm-hmm. in thirteen to fourteen years being, you know, absorbed. Yeah, which is crazy. That's that's what that's one of the reasons that these older bourbons cost more because they put they put fifty three gallons into a barrel mm-hmm. and then they may pull fifteen gallons out after like that Elijah Craig eighteen. That, that barrel was damn near empty when they dumped it. Oh, I'm sure. Like that, some, I mean, some of the evaporation and stuff has to do with the climate, right? If it's... Yeah. yeah. The more the barrel breathes, the more you lose. Yeah. And then everything that soaks in is is Mila Kunis. The devil's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. But this is cool about that. There's a lot of cool stuff about the about the actual barrel part. Like everything that comes out turns into that black mold that they have all over the place. Um and you can look up. It's actually not harmful at all. The mold that whiskey makes yeah. doesn't harm humans in any way. Cool. It's but, good to know. But it'll cover your car, make your car black, and your inside of the rick houses are pretty nasty. Inside of your nose and your boogers. Could you imagine yeah. having that job? Like, your job is to just clean the place, keep it clean. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, you know, that's why they thanks. paint them black. Most rick houses are black for that reason. Yeah. But still, I mean... I wouldn't be. That'd interested. be it. That'd be a hell of a job. You're going floor to floor. I wonder if they even clean it. I just yeah, I was gonna say. I don't even. I doubt they probably clean it. I mean, well, you think they have to every now and then, you know? Just scrape it off. They probably yeah. have a couple they clean, like the ones that people go into. They probably got water hoses on every floor. Just like, <laughs> yeah. They just run the fire pressure, the fire yeah. system. Just They're good. They're wash fine. it all down to the bottom floor and yeah. let it drain out. Ugh. Yeah. Have you? Uh, have you guys been to a big rick house before? And just I've been seen to a small it. one. I have, I have when I was younger, but I don't. I it, have to it is so. It's been a while since I've been to one. Um, but all I can remember is like them having the elevator shaft to get oh, to, yeah. to get to each oh, yeah. floor yeah. Is, yeah. is so what neat. Those, what did he call those? Um, Damn, we laughed about it, and I cannot remember the name of it. It was something funny, like yeah. uh, whatever the name of them. It's a. It was like a pirate or a thief, or no, it's not a thief. It's a. Damn, I can't remember. It was funny. <laughs> Whatever the name of those things are is funny. A raider. Low something? Low, low. I don't know. 
Who knows? <laughs> but I can get you into a Rick House on Wamala Island. Colton. Are they still doing stuff over there or are they are they done? They're done. But they have stuff aging still. Really? So have they you, still have barrels in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you been to see him lately? Uh I saw him about a month ago and talked to him, but um I haven't really touched base with him since. I just kinda talked and kicked the can and said hello and drank a few drinks and it was a good time, but I haven't really ventured into it any more than that. I went there to see him and uh he was off that day. So I texted him. I was like, my bad. You and know, he was like, doing, Hey, you got to tell me ahead of time. And he was like, do not be a stranger. I want you to come back. You and know, they're I've doing some really bad selects every month. Yeah. That's what I was told. Yeah. And we're talking so, about Firefly distillery, by the way, here yeah. in Charleston. Yeah. They are doing single barrel selects every, I think it's second Monday of every month. If I'm not mistaken. Um, where would you rank the one that you finished as opposed to all bourbons? It is very good. For a five-year, you know, blend of Mashable 1 and Mashable 2, that stuff is pretty solid. I, I seriously want to go over there and be like, hey, you know you're not allowed to put sugar in this, right? That's how sweet it is. <laughs> it is very sweet for a Buffalo Trace source product. Clearly, there's not sugar in it. We're just saying. No. Yeah, this Mashable 1 and 2 blend. So what it is is Buffalo Trace, same, you know, Pappy, uh, Eagle, or Eagle Rare, like all those things, all those brands. Mm-hmm. They get their white dog, 125, entry-proof. Goes into a barrel, sits in South Carolina in the Wamala Island facility uh, for five years, you said? Yep, five years minimum. They have anywhere from five to eight years right now. And then uh, it comes out, and it doesn't taste like Buffalo Trace, really. The, the it has prob- a hint. Yeah, the problem with, with aging in the South, and what he was mentioning to us is, um, you know, with the humidity levels we deal with here in Charleston is those barrels have a... Um, tendency to leak sometimes and they're constantly having to go back and seal them. Um, Do you think it's because of how much it... I truly think it's because of the climate we're in and the amount of humidity we deal with. I mean, we have so many variations in temperature, it's insane. I mean, it's freaking May. What was it? 90 degrees one week and then we had 42 degrees, what, Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. And then freaking almost tornado effects and at 4 o'clock here. (laughs) Yeah. It's so stupid. But yeah, I mean, like the barrels, they're going through so many. Yeah, they're going through so many different changes. And it's just in a metal shed. I mean, if you go to the back, it's just in a metal shed. Yeah, the one behind their new distillery. Yeah, I mean, that's all it is. I mean, so it's not like there's anything, um, you know, they don't have any climate control or anything. They're just sitting up and aging. They don't even have windows in it. It's just, it's literally a metal shed. Is that the smallest um, calm still you've ever seen? Yes. Yes, small small I've ever seen. How yeah. big was it? It's small. It's small, but it's it's still pretty cool to look at. It's probably the size of a whiskey barrel straight up, maybe a floor and a half. Really? It's tiny. Yeah. It looks like yeah. an oversized flute, That's to cute. be honest. Yeah. It's cool to see somebody like that, especially with the growth of, of how they've been in Charleston to create that product. It's it's pretty fun to watch them grow here. I think they're doing a pretty good job of what they're doing over there. I think it's even though it's not, they're not making the beer. Um, whether I think most of the distilleries here do make their own beer, but um, yeah, I don't I think, think they're making their own beer yet, are they? I don't think so. No, but just I think whiskeys. it's definitely my. Food. No, I mean the whiskey, the beer, the mash. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. I think like Stripe Pig, I think they make their own mash and uh, Palmetto Distillery. I don't know if they do or not. That'd be interesting conversation to uh, see. I want to get Michael on here. Though I was going to say we need to start reaching out some of these guys and. Yeah. I, you know, we, we talked earlier about the bigger distilleries being mm-hmm. sort of a, 
you know, family, treating each other like family, like family, family, like family, like family. I wonder if they, if it's the same down here with, with, with smaller distillers, if it, they, you it know, seems like it. Yeah. I mean, those guys, when we were meeting up with them for the past few times, I mean, they're, they're very friendly and I mean, we're passionate about what they're putting out and I think they appreciate exactly. that. Yep. So, I mean, they're willing to, they're willing to share information and, and availability on yeah. possible picks or whatever the case may be that we're interested in to, yeah. you know, I would imagine it was, you know, these guys are, it's, it's a small community, you know, if they have mm-hmm. an issue with a, uh, a still or, or some process or something like somebody to help them, who, yeah. who are you going to call? Yeah. Right. Like there's only so many people Yeah, you can get in touch and, and especially locally. So yeah, you, you have to be probably a pretty tight knit group and help each other out. Well, I think with Firefly, one cool thing about it is, is they're known for their vodkas yes. and mm-hmm. they do tastings all day long yeah. and their vodka tasting. So this, their whiskey ventures, fairly new i mean they've been doing it obviously for five years but well it's like a go ahead well i think what i'm saying what i think is that all they do is deal with people that don't know anything about anything sure so you walk in there and you're like what's the mash bill on this and they're like oh you know that word oh you know, yeah. It's like, yeah i know that word i know that word what's the what's the char level in these barrels and they're like oh man i haven't i haven't talked to anyone that knows sure. anything about anything yeah, yeah, ever yeah, yeah. And, yeah and, um, and so i think that's one of the reasons that it's so well received when we go to these local distilleries and talk yeah. to them yeah. Um, but I also think that that's why I quit reaching out to him on social media because think about how many people do and they're like, great. You know, yeah. I mean, like you, Colton, I'm sure people hit you up and, and say like, dude, have you had, have you had Jack Daniels yet? It's once, <laughs> like, it's, it's a once a week basis. I mean, and, and you're like, what do I say to this guy? Um, no, it's, it's, there's so many. So that's another thing that we can get on a topic of is like the amount of people who are starting to get in the bourbon or just whiskey in general. And you know, they see your pages, they'll see your page or my page or whatever the case may be. And they're just like, whoa, man, you got this, that, the other. How'd you get this? How'd, How'd you, you get, get Eagle Rare? And it's you like, know, what do you oh, mean? Oh, I've been looking all over the place for that. <laughs> you know, just like all this and that. And it's just like, dude, like, I appreciate that you're trying to, you know, talk to, you know, talk and get into it. But it's just like, you know, there's a difference between being a bother and actually being interested in, yeah, in yes. it, you know. Yeah. So. It's, it's pretty easy to, to to flesh those out when it's it's the folks that I that we enjoy talking to who are generally interested in the product or the process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the ones that immediately open up with, oh man, cool that you found that. Where? Where? Where can I get that? Where can I get one? Well, <laughs> all right. I don't know. I went to forty five liquor stores looking for it. So yeah. you don't start. Walk, you don't walk up to the pretty girl at the dance <laughs> the first time and go, hey. Uh, sure you do. Try to head, you know, right now. Like, Let's go to the bathroom right now. I don't care now. what your name is. Let's, <laughs> you don't jump straight to, to Warm up base. to me. Warm up. Be my friend. <laughs> like tonight, for instance, we had a we, we did a um, blind taste earlier tonight. And, yeah. and that guy that came over is a co-worker. I like him. He's a friend. And we've done other videos with him. Did you notice he asked me? He's like, you have to tell me that website where you're buying this right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so as a mm-hmm. friend, I've never told him until tonight. Until tonight, tonight, I told him. Right. It's, um, it's so hard just to a do random that, dude though. to hit me up on Instagram is like, no, I'm probably not going to tell you. Because <laughs> then I can't buy it. Right. You know? And I'm selfish. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to do that, especially like because you don't know how they're going to, um, I guess, interpret the page. And then obviously, are they going to throw you in a bad situation? Right. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of different things. Like, for example, I'm looking at this one guy who made a, an Instagram account and hit up with me last week. And um, he was liking my shit. Like, you know, fire emoji, fire emoji, all this shit. And I'm like, good Lord. I so I just, emoji. I walked I in and he followed my page. And I was, you know, I was just being nice. Like you guys do. It's just like, hey, thanks for the follow, man. Cheers. Have a good day. 
And he's like, no problem. I'm new. You know, I want to share some stuff and that I enjoy and hopefully we can reconnect. I live in South Carolina. And I was like, Oh cool. You know? And I told him kind of like, we're just bourbon friends, good time type situation. That's what we're all about yeah. here in Charleston. And he's like, and I get, I named some groups off like PC, uh, uh, PBC and SEBC to him. And I was like, you got to know these guys and all this stuff. And he's like, well, oh, I don't know any of those people. And I'm just like, oh, from there, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I'm done. Like, you know, if you don't know who these people are, then I don't need to be talking to you. Cause at that point you guys get it in your industry and, and ours, you know, just the minute you mention something to somebody and then they go to that person and then it's just gossip, 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 it could end up throwing a bad name it's for you. Name and drops that scare me. Yeah, that it, me too. So like, I always ask someone in a conversation, can I name drop? And, uh, and usually they're like, yes, because yeah. of one reason or another. But, but it's like most people don't ask; they just, they just do it. And I, and I that it's happened to us before where yeah. we go somewhere and be like, oh yeah, uh, so and so told us about you and said that you guys do this and that. I'm like, who? Yeah, who is this? And I look it up and I have no idea who this person is. I didn't tell them anything. They just they saw it in a comment somewhere and just and just ran with it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. So but it like, can get you in trouble fast in in this community. Yeah. So yeah, it's when you're when you're so heavily involved in social media, it it's it doesn't take much for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can work really really hard for a long time to get the right things to go viral and to get the right attention. Yeah. Doesn't take a whole lot for the wrong thing to go viral. Yeah. You can meet a million great people and connect with them and have a great relationship, but it only takes that one person to just absolutely ruin what you're doing. And you know you what? Know? We were talking earlier about uh wanting to connect with people, but also there's, there's a limit to what you're willing to share yeah. with, with someone you just met or you don't know. It's same in the hunting community, right? Like yep. whiskey and whitetail. So we'll try to try, try to loop yeah, some yeah, hunting yeah. in here. It's the same yeah. with the hunting community, right? You get to know someone who's a turkey hunter or likes a deer hunt. Maybe they're new to the area. You're all about like the community and, and that camaraderie, but I'm not going to tell you my honey hole in Francis Marion. We just met like, yeah. I'm, and on the, on this, you know, on the same note, with 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 the whiskey community, um, damn that I had a point I was gonna make, and then I no, lost I get it. it. You're not gonna tell. <laughs> you're not gonna tell those guys like, hey, the, I got this. I got this bottle yep. from from such and such. Oh, you know? oh, but on the, the I'm sorry the the on the topic of it taking one person to ruin it, right? Yeah. It takes associating with the wrong person who gets caught up in a poaching. Yeah. Ring or, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever the case is to ruin your reputation or, you know, shut your club down or whatever the case is. So a famed secondary market guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I buy all my stuff from Colton and I give him good prices. And then I come in here and rape everyone for it. <laughs> it ha- What's well, like fishing? It, it, it happens. Instance. It happens. Like I sent you that picture the other day near your house and that guy, you know, 50, 60 bucks. And I was, you're just yeah. like, there's no way. And I'm like, it happened. Yep. It, it happened. I mean, it's just, you know, and that's that, the thing that is, I could go back there. on secondary too, like we were talking about just, but you know, I could go in there and show him that receipt you sent me <sighs> and be like, Hey, someone sent me this and I know you have them. Right. And that's what somebody would do. I'm so so I don't send receipts. Do I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't, that's what we're talking about. I don't yeah. show people receipts. I don't, yeah, and if the, I do, I close out the store name. I don't want anyone people to know. Posting the receipt, the receipt thing is, yeah. it, irritates it pisses the hell off out of liquor stores. Liquor stores oh, sure. hate it. That's why they all have signs in there that say, if you want to take pictures, go to the grand Canyon. They all have, <laughs> you know, the store I'm talking about, the Packies partner. I do. They, I do. They got a sign in there. It says, if you want to take pictures, go to the grand Canyon. They, yeah. they, 
will not allow it. I went in there and bought Elijah Craig rye for somebody to ship it to them and because uh, they can't get it, you know. And I was like, do you care if I take a picture of it just to, so he knows this is the price? And he was like, I absolutely care. He's like, you're going to get a receipt. Maybe you could use that. And I was like, oh. and this is someone I talk to on a weekly basis. And he <laughs> was that fast, fired up. I do care. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that bad, but. Yeah, I like that shop. I almost stopped in there yesterday. In fact, our the post office that we get our business stuff sent to is right next to it. Oh, and it? Uh, it's, I'm moving on to this side of the town soon. I was thinking about, but I don't want to change the yeah. post office again. And I was like, well, keeping that post office gives me a reason to go on that side of town and hit those liquor stores all the way down Dorchester before I turn back and come up home. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Used to go over there. For sure. I I'm, can I can relate to that being over here on the side. Yeah, yeah. It's I, a little bit of a drive. But I've hey. never been to the packy. We, we need to go there with you to just speed up you've the introduction. Never, you've never been? No. Damn. I love it. They, I live next door to the village. Man. The first time I went in there a long time ago, when you walked in the door, their, their whiskey and bourbon and stuff was on the left-hand side. And it was like half of the the wall and yeah. in the corner. <laughs> now it's like the entire right wall. Yeah, and it's is it's as it feels he, as long as this house is it, wide. He's doing it on purpose, though. Yeah, I mean, he he comp- he purposely moved it to that corner so he can kind of keep drops on people too. Oh yeah, it wasn't a great shot because yeah. where where the the counter is and the register, mm-hmm. you can see straight down. Oh, um, you can see through the whole bourbon aisle. Yeah, and yeah. Jim is and Jim is just absolutely keying. Jim's a big bourbon enthusiast too. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you walk in there, he's got a you know, football game, baseball game, you name it on there. And, just and you just walk in and say, Hey to him. Yep. And it's just like, Hey man, what's going on? And, and he'll just drink with you. You know, you watch the game and bullshit and, and it's fun. I mean, he makes it a good experience for his customers. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he could walk in and just completely talk bullshit to bullshit with you all day long. But as soon as somebody else walks in, he doesn't know completely changes the switch. He flips the switch and is completely respectful to people. And, 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 you know, he's just an overall great guy. Honestly, I'd buy from him all day. Did you see, you saw that Gibby's was coming down here too, right? Yeah. They're going to, Dude, uh, I'm so stoked right next to whole foods. I am so stoked. Yeah. Right by our barber. Really? Like, yeah. Caleb. Yeah. Caleb Gibson up in, uh, up in Orangeburg is moving back down the Charleston near the Coburg, Coburg cow. Yep. I'm so freaking stoked. I wonder for that. if they're taking. Oh, that's, what was that grocery yeah. store? The, the one that's been here forever, and then Whole Foods moved in and killed them. I wonder if that's the building they're taking. Uh, it's. They said it was over 4,500 square feet on yeah, the on the so corner right there next yeah. to. Yeah. Hey, uh, executive assistant, what's the name of that <laughs> grocery store next to Whole Foods? The old timey one. They sell, huh? Doshers. Doshers. Yeah, they're nice. taking the Doshers building. Oh, that's going to be a sweet setup. Yeah. I wish I didn't live so far away, but I'm right there. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm, I guess I'm uh, changing my haircut frequency to once a week. <laughs> yeah. Just so you can run over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, babe. I got another haircut appointment. Well, they're the single barrel king in South Carolina. Are they really? Yeah. Their yeah. Eagle Rare single barrel was better than that. Again, Gibby's, better than that. Gibby's and Packies help each other out. So they're, oh, do they? they've been, they've been helping each other quite a bit. So a lot of the, a lot of my packy picks are actually packy Gibby, you know, shared picks. Hmm. Um, the Luxro picks are the same picks. Um, if you look at the bottle writing, it'll say Packy and Gibby's Bottling Shop on it. Huh. Um, so a lot of what Jim and Caleb do together, um, they both release and share the barrels. They may they may pick two barrels, but they also share barrels too. That's cool. I know that. Um, I absolutely love picks, dude. Caleb and Jim are the are the best guys. I mean. 
you when, when we'll take you you'll you'll understand just a down-to-earth guy you'll get along with him immediately he'll just start bullshitting with you and you'll be falling in love with him already works for me but um trying to think what else we were touching base hey on the bright side when gus comes over this way we'll just drink without you yeah <laughs> then you'll <Sorry>. be <laughs> you know what's funny i had this conversation with andy i was like it's 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 so far to come out here and then i talked to people and they're like but when you get out here it's so nice they're like where do you live and i'm like i live in james island and they're like oh you're way out there like, what are you talking about <laughs> i live in town i live in charleston y'all are way out there yeah i know i talk about it all the time in, in town is relative to, to your town yeah yeah the yeah, thing yeah. is, like, when yeah, you but live, all y'all always say, "Oh, I live in Charleston," but you don't. Well, <laughs> you live I mean, we're here. thirty minutes out. That's like, so what I'm saying. I live in Charleston. I pay Charleston city taxes. I'm allowed oh, to say it. Blow well, me. the good thing, <laughs> the good thing about where we are, honestly, and I know Gus can agree with this, is like, you know, when you live where we live, I mean, you don't necessarily have to go down to Charleston to enjoy the amenities of what I guess you can still consider it Charleston. What it is, I mean, like, you know, North Charleston, Somerville the Dorchester area, you know, wherever you are, there's still the, the amount of growth we've had here. You don't even need to go downtown anymore to, to have a good time. I mean, it's changed a lot. You've been here, what, 12, 13 years. Yeah. I've been here. It'd be 12 years this year. So it's changed a lot since you've been Somerville, man. From even, so when I moved here, I moved into, I moved to Goose Creek, uh, you know, working on the base and everything. It was a 15 minute drive. Used to be a 15 minute drive to base Yep. since Boeing's moved in now, Volvo and all these other things. Um, Mercedes, the the bases did a base realignment and closure where they now it's a joint base, so that changed things there. Yep. Uh, it's grown exponentially both in the Somerville, so everything kind of like North Charleston and up has just exploded. And so now, you know, like you said, you used to have to go downtown to sort of do the nightlife thing or yeah. find places to go. Now you have this Somerville downtown like areas yeah. exploded. Yeah. yeah, the brewery the brewery laws changed not long after I moved here, so it took a few years for everybody to get caught up and get those things established. But now there's breweries all over the place to go visit. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, you don't have to, you know, if I want to go down town or go in that direction these days, the only reason I do is to either go see you or get my hair cut yeah. or it's cause I'm taking someone to go downtown. That's never really been. Yeah. Right. Um, there's just, I don't have a requirement or don't have to go down there. You mm-hmm. can go to a halls now up here and yeah, next time you can go to uh, Pug- pa- you got pages, a Pugans, Pugans. Yeah, they all, pages. They all have the locations up here now. So, it actually helps out because it re- hopefully relieves some of the traffic downtown, and so there's mm-hmm. the, you know the the traffic and the the the, the population sort yeah. of disperses a little bit. But um, you know, if you're from Ohio, you can still go back yeah. to Ohio. Go I'm back okay. to Ohio. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Quit moving here. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been here over ten years, so I can consider myself a local now. Um, <laughs> I've been here for twenty seven. Jesus, that's awesome. Since I was a well, I mean, since yeah. I was a baby. Yeah. Born and raised, man. Love every bit of it. I, I, you know, we we were talking earlier about you know things that we have going on. The idea of moving out of, away from here it makes makes me feel a little nervous because like I lived. Yeah, I'm in, a little bummed. I but, lived in North Carolina for mm-hmm. over ten years. I, I moved there in 1990. You also just said you're gonna have to cut that out. I will. You're right. I'll beep it out with my little button here. Yeah, but um, the uh, that particular area that we the place we might be moving to might maybe be moving to <laughs> might 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 could um you know it's just a new thing and i grew up a military brat so like yeah. we moved every three or four years but it's not a big deal for me to move but we, i love it here yeah that's the thing that's what i'm getting at is that Je- my wife and i and jessica have talked about it and we've talked about the idea of moving several times and we can always come up with plenty of uh good reasons 
why we would want to move um, or pl- plenty of good reasons. What's the wording? I always say we always come up with good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, can never come up with enough good reasons to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's always reasons yeah. and, and pros and cons, but never enough to justify it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's nice being close to the beach. It three hours away from the mountains. We have family close by. Of course, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, the summers suck and they're hotter than hell. Yeah. But it's only for a couple months out of the summer, and after that, you're it's, it's either at, you know most years at most you're putting on a heavy coat or jacket for maybe two months, and then it's hoodie perfect. weather. You know, it's perfect. The weather here is. I've never lived anywhere that has weather like this. You can hunt deer from August to. January oh, yeah, 1st. The hunting, <laughs> yeah. the hunting season here is amazing. The fishing, you know, they call Louisiana, you know, the sportsman's paradise. And I, I'm, my family's from there. I get it. But I mean, this place is very similar. Like yeah. you, you can, you can hunt the mountains and you can hunt. And if the way, I don't know what the, what the elk population is doing, what their goal is, but I know they re-released elk in the, uh, the Appalachian mountains yeah. and Virginia and Kentucky and certain areas. Um, you know, eventually I would like to think that they'll make their way and migrate down here. Yep. Can you imagine being able to hunt whitetail, go fish for reds, and then take a trip and go hunt elk, elk yeah. all within four hours? You yeah, already got bears insane. down here. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. Francis Marion has freaking bears. Yep. You know, I, you guys probably have seen something like this before since we want to get on the outdoor subject, but um, I saw a freaking Black Panther in in this area not too long ago it scared the living hell out of me i have a lot to talk about for that <laughs> that's almost a separate podcast but i'm i'm here for it let's do it let's do it okay so there are i'll start the, there are rumors of panthers here mm-hmm. and, and everyone and dnr says there are no panthers here however <laughs> if you go right down the road here to cross south carolina yeah black's fish camp you go inside black's fish camp and he has a stuffed panther in there that he killed. I can believe here, that. and nobody believes him, right? Um, and then they're like, "Well, trail cameras, you'd see him on trail cameras." I don't think that you would because cats are pretty damn smart. I mean, how right. often do you? See, I mean, um, bobcats are everywhere. How yeah, often yes. are they on trail cams? They're very elusive. They're, yeah, you just and don't see them. They live in the places where people don't go. There's yeah. a reason they're hard to see. Yeah. People like to say, well, so we know for a fact that there are Panthers in parts of Florida. That's yes. why you have the, you know, the whole Florida Panther thing for sports teams yeah. and whatnot. We talk about, we just mentioned uh, bear sightings in Francis Marion. Well, those bears. Which would have, we would have never had, you know, I mean, that was unheard of right. until a couple of years ago. Sure. And they're following water sources and things yeah. down, the, down from, from the mountains and making their way down. If you're telling me a, that a bear can make that sort of migration, yeah. In, and, and, and no one saw him until this yeah. year. But that, but that a black, but that a panther I mean, can't come from Florida up to South yeah. Carolina. It's like it, it, it's like break. armadillos. It's like armadillos. Is oh, those are everywhere here. They, they used to never be they, here. Yeah, though. they walked here from Texas. It's insane. It's insane how many armadillos have come here. Yeah, and, and they used to never be around. Yeah. And there's Silverado, Texas edition. They I know. Just I was. Up. I was. <laughs> damn. We're here. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Damn, casually, they got Dairy Queens here too. <laughs> Damn, I'm just casually headed into work, man. And like, I kid you not, I saw this damn panther, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And um, it was like 4:30 in the morning when I saw it. It was going through one of the industrial barks down here, and um, he stopped and just looked at me and just ran. And um, he happened to be underneath one of the lights. 
you know, going through the industrial park. So I immediately called my dad about it because, um, he, you know, working at the government base, he was already up headed to work anyway. So I said, did you, did you see any type of panther or something running through here? He goes, I saw something that looked like a bobcat once, but I couldn't tell. And I kid you not, guys, they got to be around here. They, yeah. they, I know they got to be. There's, so a, we, there's a stuffed one. Yeah. Five in, miles if there's there. one in Cross, then yeah, five, yeah. five miles. So I don't know how far Cross is. Dude, Cross is like. So we have a friend. Um, and we'll I won't talk about it later. <laughs> I won't name drop because I don't know if he would if he wants the story told. Uh, but he was hunting in uh, seaweed. And he goes very deep yeah. into seaweed. Canoe. Uh, Goes up a canoe. You talk about going places that people don't go. That, yeah, that's what he does. He hikes a canoe into parts of the river that no one goes to, and then crosses it. Yeah, and so Damn. he he had, badass, um, he, had he had hunted uh, and it didn't come up with anything that night. But he was walking back, um, and he felt like something was following him. Right, and, and mm-hmm. we've all been in the woods, and you just. When you when you when you're in the woods long enough and you get in tune with yep. what's going on, you can kind of feel the presence of other things out there. And so he turned around with his flashlight and saw a set of eyes, mm-hmm. and it was I, I want to say thirty yards away, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was yellow eyes, like you get from kind of from a cat. Yeah. Um, and every time he would turn around and flash his light, um, you, it was too far away to see because his light wasn't very very strong. It was enough to light up the lights, but when he would do it, the eyes would lower. Yeah, like it was crouching down, Ooh. and as, and so he sort of started picking up his pace, and every time he turned around, it would do the same thing, but it would be a little bit closer. Um, and he called his brother; he wasn't sure what to do. He started to get afraid that this thing was legit stalking him, so he pulled out his pistol and shot in its direction. Yeah, um, yeah. not sure if he was going to hit it or scare it, but he didn't know what else to do. Um, came back the next day and and couldn't find anything, but that, you know that encounter. You know, he said based on the the size of the eyes and how wide they were apart and how how far its body would drop, it's tall. The eyes would drop. He's like a bobcat. He's like that was not a bobcat (laughs) by any means. And he's killed bobcat before, so he he is. He's had them in his hands. He's one of the most well versed, you know, South Carolina hunters hunters that I know personally. He's from Georgetown. He's lived here his whole life. So, uh, for him to say that's what he thought it was, I I believe him. Yeah, Um, he's not the kind of person to just shoot at something because he's. Scared. If he if he didn't feel his life was potentially being threatened, he would not have done that. He's also not the type of person to tell you a story like that. So why would he make it up? That's true. Yeah. That's, That's true. true. There's that a lot sense. of reasons that I believe that story. So speaking, since we're on the panther subject, are they are they truly black? Or there's the no ones such here thing? are supposed to be black panthers. Well, so okay. they they have. A, um, I thought they weren't truly black. She's over here. Like, <laughs> are they not truly black? <laughs> tell no. us. What are they? Fact check. I don't think it's they're like truly black, but they are. But they, they they have spots like they have a pattern, like to jaguars, kind of. Mm-hmm. That's pretty weird. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Oh damn, Colton's right. More than I knew. I thought they were black. Damn. So uh, black, true black panthers don't exist. Well, you can go two miles up the road to cross and look at the one at black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where how far. I just you, know cross was far as cross hell. Is, um, and I know y'all are far. It's another you know. thirty minutes from here. <laughs> and it's further it's further away from my house than you would think. Um, I'm going to pull it up. It's an hour. It's probably an hour and a half from you. Like, seriously. I know it was far. It felt yeah, like a road It's up trip. in the woods, man. You got to go through, like, pretty much towards St. Stephen's and cut over. It's on the water, right? But it's on the upper. Yeah. On the, t- the, ups, yeah, the upper side between, of the, the Between lake. lake Moultrie and Lake Marion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful up there. 
It's uh, but there's nobody out there, which might be a good thing. There's good fishing out there. Some catfish. Oh, for sure, for sure. That's I why mean, we went there was catfish. Right here on this tail race canal. I mean, there's tons of fish, man. Love living where we live. We used to have a um, we used to have a boat dock up here for the neighborhood, and then um, they sold it. Unfortunately, uh, I was that's the one reason why I came and lived in this part is I wanted yeah. to have that uh, you know, with no HOA fee or anything. I was sure. like, great, we have a boat dock and. You know, obviously that went away pretty fair, uh, pretty quick, unfortunately. But um, it's still a cool area, man. It's just hopefully it doesn't outgrow itself. But unfortunately, that's gonna happen regardless. So yeah, this is what it is. Ton of people moving here. Yeah, and I mean where I live, I'm not gonna announce that, but I mean where we live is is arguably one of the most, in my opinion. You know, where you live is different from where I live, of course. So as far as where we are, it's just your country, I guess, would be a good thing to say. You guys, yeah. we all know what country is, and this ain't country, but it's as almost as good as you're going to get without getting in the French it's like residential country. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to deal with people. I mean, you you have neighbors, but they're not, you know, you just don't have to deal with all the bullshit. I got to read this news article. What you got? If you hang around enough hunting or fishing camps in the South, <laughs> okay. This is a uh, um, you'll hear tales of Black Panther sightings. Some are far fetched stories, but most of them pale in comparison to the one that Wick, Ricky Wesley Lynch told Georgetown County Police on when. So up towards Myrtle Beach area, Lynch's Black Panther tale landed him in jail. He described an animal as a black cat or a black panther and a black colored oversized waist high cat like animal with a long tail. He's been charged with filing a false police report and breach of peace. Breach of peace? Yeah. <laughs> he claims he's being attacked what? by a large animal in his neighborhood. The big cat, Lynch said, ripped his shirt sleeve. After grabbing him by his pant leg and dragging him to the ground into a ditch, he was able to escape, called 911. Authorities sent an ambulance. He was treated for superficial wounds and said that he had seen a cub cross the road just before the big tack attacked him. Several investigators pretty much basically said he's a liar, and uh, he was charged. So... Why are they trying to cover it up? I don't know. In my opinion, That's strange. you know, you said DNR was saying that they don't exist, and then they got a news article saying they don't. DNR has a entire page that says they do not exist. Well, well, black, well black Panthers yeah. don't exist. Yeah, but I mean, there's still something out there. You know, DNR's DNR stance is that in order for them to state that they're that's recognize or um, yeah, basically recognize or acknowledge the existence of a species that they have to have a certain like amount of biological proof and research. And yeah. that there just All hasn't right. been. So a, we'll just go shoot one and give it to them. <laughs> That's the, Is that so enough biological resource for, or resources it, for it would You be. would think so. If you had a, a dash camera on your truck, that yeah. would have been enough. For real? Yeah. If you <laughs> caught it in a dash cam? They would have rejected it. I don't know. But, but I think the I think the article goes on to say that, like they need they need like biological like they need um, scat or hair in, uh, in conjunction with the sighting like they need a bunch of things that that they can document and and state without you know without doubt that this animal exists in this area it's really weird but they don't have enough of that for them to be able to come out and say as the Department of Natural Resources this is an animal that exists in this area don't yeah. they live in trees too oh yeah oh yeah. So that's probably one of the reasons that no one sees them. Can they you imagine climbing, going to fr- deep into Francis Marion, Ugh. using your climber to get up to a stand, Ugh. and then as the sun's breaking, you look over to your left, and not 
not sitting on a tree during turkey season looking over and seeing a snake. But no, you're in a, in a tree and you look over to your left and there's a fucking panther. Yeah, yeah just sitting at there. At eye level. Yeah. Just like purring. Licking its lips. Purring like your cat's purr. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so kind of jump into another subject. Are y'all going to do any hunting this year? Whitetail seasons? We are and, going to you know, Kentucky so many times. Yeah. Cool. Oh. Yeah. We have two trips that are pretty and, much set in stone. Yeah, their first and last weekend of September will be in Kentucky. Um, depending on how those two trips go, we'll be going back. Um, uh, we'll be in Kentucky a lot. There was year. something else in October, I thought. Was that the Bourbon Festival? End of October or middle of October? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's what I need to do. Go with us. I'll, I'll see. We're um, The paperwork is in. We'll have a little one, so yeah. we'll see. Might be, uh, might be doable. Might. Might. There's always a chance. Don't bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've been there three times. But <laughs> you're gonna have to put some things on the shelf for a little while and just. It'll well, be I gotta right. go. I got tickets. I gotta go. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, thanks to my good friend Harrison. Man, that's kick ass. I gotta get over there. I gotta go. To that would Kentucky. be a good thing to chart to charge to uh, combine the Bourbon Festival and going. Is it Bardstown? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I was, I'm really looking forward to it. I got to get up there and go. Whatever that whatever that trip is, if we do that trip, I was talking to Jessica because because uh, both Gavin and Leah's birthdays are that month, and then our anniversary is that month, and we were talking about <laughs> nice doing like taking family vacation and doing that the the festival on like one end or the other of that trip and bringing yeah. my mom with her and then like letting my mom kind of watch the kids and then me and Jessica and you guys we go to the the festival but then the other times we'll just do kind of a family vacation thing maybe we can all go hit some uh some distilleries and tours and yeah absolutely stuff like that that'd be fun i've been told uh-huh. you need about 2 3 days to really yeah. do the distilleries yeah and then uh, kevin's going to take us to a cooperage yeah so that'll be cool yeah i think it was kevin or, or rocco was was saying you know when we decide to make that trip to let them know maybe they could help coordinate some special yeah. tours or trips or something like that. Maybe it wasn't one of them that said it. Somebody said that. I can't yeah. remember who it was. But that would be cool to sort of get maybe some, uh, we get a big enough group together, you know, like call ahead and tell them who we are, what we're doing. Yeah. You know, as Whiskey and Whitetails or whatever. They may put together a tour for us, like, uh, like well, we Chief bring, Mercer was saying that they did for, you know, for other groups. We bring our new, uh, 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 bring our new seal with us. And oh, jeez. <laughs> our, our token, so, our, uh, our, our show pony. So speaking of all this, shout trip, out to Josh. If, <laughs> if we actually, you know, if we actually do this, like if I do this, for example, and you know, obviously we were talking about barrel picks earlier, um, that would be a pretty cool experience just to go ahead and pick that out and go up there by the end of the year mm-hmm. and do that. And I know yeah. with y'all's capacity, I'm sure y'all wouldn't mind throwing something on your trailer for me. Yeah, we'll have the trailer. Yeah, so no problem. I think, I think that's doable. So. I'm going to have to contact my boy and see if that's something we can do. What city are they in? Uh, I thought they said December, which is fine. Well, see, I told them early next year just due to my situation. But if you can put it during hunting season, that would be preferred. Because we're going to be in Kentucky pretty much September. Sorry, I was watching that dude just go yard. Um, But, yeah. I think that would be pretty kick-ass. If we could make that work this year, that would be great. Um, The good thing is about certain distilleries we're talking about um is they'll just mail the pint size barrels to your home and you can pick which one you want from there and you know obviously pay for it so at that point all you got to do is pick it up um 
So how many yeah. bottles are they saying you'll get? Um, it all depends on what barrel size you need or barrel size you pick. So you can do anything from a, a quarter barrel, half barrel, full, full barrel. We should do a hogshead, like 200-gallon barrel. Or 100, no, they're 80-gallons. They're bigger than a regular whiskey barrel. I'm not sure. I'm sure it'd be triple the price. But um, no, it'd just be a cool experience. Yeah. And for the pricing, they're, you know, saying it wouldn't be that bad. It'd be, it'd be, bit, no, I mean, I'm like, it wouldn't really be that bad to do like a half barrel or something. Kind of like when we were experimenting with it back this year already, kind of just looking at pricing. Um, really isn't too bad. Just, you got to think about the transportation costs. That's about it. Yeah. Well, it's the shipping. If, um, yeah. For selling. Do you have a, so it's something that we could link back to the Facebook conversation. Like, yeah. Being able to distribute a half a barrel or a barrel full of bottles. Yeah. Um, What's a barrel like? Two hundred bottles, I think. Anywhere from two to three hundred. Yeah, yeah. So it yields it yields two hundred to two fifty. So selling and shipping. So you pick, so you, bottles. Pick, you pick your barrel and then they give you a thumbs up, a high five, smack on the ass. You leave. They barrel yeah, it. They they, they, they bottle, bottle it for yeah. you, and you just you just uh, grab let's it. Start from in them. the beginning because yeah, I, Gus isn't in, the, in these conversations with us, and I bet a lot of people also don't know how it works. Okay. So basically, you reach out to you pick a distillery and you say, "Hey, we want to buy a barrel. We want to do a." A barrel pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they send you samples, you taste and say, "This is the one I want," and then yeah, they'll either ship it to you to, you know, see if you want it, or you just go to the distillery itself and have yeah. it. Um, which you're limited to three or four choices in the mail, rather than having multiple choices at the distillery, of course. And when they do the distillery thing, it's like a whole experience, right? Like they roll the barrels oh, yeah. out and it's oh, like yeah. a little oh, party. Yeah. They pull yeah. the thief out it's and the, then all that. It's the real fucking deal. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that before. Um, I was just curious, like what, so like you pick your barrel and they bottle it and then they just have all your bottles sitting up there waiting for you to do something with them. They you have them all packaged yep. and ready gotcha. to ship. They'll put them in the boxes and. Well, luckily we hey, got a big ass trailer. Pickup. Here's your pickup date, and then you can spend money on stickers. You can spend money on wax. You mm-hmm. can. There's a lot of things you can add. Yeah, it, to get, it. it gets pretty. It can get very expensive. Just like that one I got down there, the new riff one, the BTG. Yeah, that's an excessive bottle right there, boys. Yeah, the sticker, the the white wax. Yeah, interesting. And damn Brazilian on the on the sticker. <sighs> Douchebag. <laughs> that's probably it's Trust probably funds, a douchebag sticker. <laughs> oh, it is. What does it say? Uh, it's basically one of his uh, one of his showgirls bent over in a bikini, and they got the new riff bottle posted on her butt, and he's holding it. Oh, nice. you have to look at it before you leave. Yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of them are funny. You can get any sticker you want. you can make your own sticker and have like for instance the uh, Packy in the village. They're doing yeah. a a pick now and they're and they're stealing the Kentucky owl sign. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Kentucky owl label. Yeah. It's a pretty cool label. They call it the low country owl and it's yeah. uh, it's pretty cool looking. I did you see the uh you saw the firefly picks they did with the Charleston buff, with the buffalo on it? Yeah. Those yep. were pretty those are pretty funny. Those yeah. were pretty funny. It was like Charleston style and they had the bridge in the background with it and then the other one was like a buffalo doing a buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny. That's cool. But they can vary in price from 20 probably eight i don't think you can get down to 25 but probably like 28 to 40 dollars a bottle yeah. and then um and you price them for what you want to, yeah. yeah yeah the thing i mean like as you grow larger with it it's it gets harder of course so you want to keep it as close as you can to i mean just my theory with this if you're going to do a pick you want to put some people in a group that you think are going to be 
reliable for it and and back you on it. You sure. just don't want to buy two hundred bottles and be like, now let's what? go sell these motherfuckers. Right, yeah, and no. like you know, you only sell like eighty, and you're just like, well, shit, I'm yeah, stuck no. with another. And if I was involved with that, I'd want to buy. 10 bottles or more. Yeah. Right. Spend the money. And then you have nice gifts to give out yep. or yep. things like that. That's kind of like what, what I worked on with Harrison, um, with the chat that we did on Facebook was just to kind of get a feeling of 70 to a hundred people mm-hmm. and just kind of introduce it. Hey, if we did something, would you be willing to buy it? And, um, we'll see how it goes. I think that's going to be good. Put us in for, I don't remember how many bottles, but yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're down like for it. 30 or 50 yeah, bottles. The, I think. the way we're doing it is strictly just trying to find people we trust and would know would back us on it. Yeah. Um, like y'all and everybody else, of course. So once we do get to that point, um, we just want to make sure we sell all of them, you know, and we're not going to absolutely crush people with pricing. Obviously you want to make a profit on something that you, put into it if you did yeah, then you why are you even doing it in the first and, place and everything right, to yeah. get them in the you know so but at the end it's reasonable yeah not trying to fuck anybody yeah we're not going to have hundred dollar bottles no not unless it's really good juice yeah if it's fantastic stuff that it'll that's say good. it'll say tasted by Colton and <laughs> I'll sell it for 200 yeah there you go yeah then everybody will know oh this shit's good <laughs> it must be heaven hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right shit all right well, I think we can close it out. We got a good. Yeah, yeah we've I don't even know what time it is. I don't either. It's been about an hour and a half. It's a uh, nine eleven on the dot. Hour and nice. a half for sure. Damn, Damn. time goes so, fast in here. It's been good. It has been, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah thanks for good. having us. I'm good glad we finally come. got this together. Version Absolutely, two. man. Y'all are welcome over anytime. Cool. Sure. It might be happening more often now that uh, everybody's up here. But yeah, you know where I am. Me and Gus will just chill, and you'll just be all alone over there. We'll so. Facetime you. And yeah, show you. We'll yeah. be drinking old Fitzes, and you'll just be like <laughs> chilling out. Okay. So bored on Folly Beach and just hating life. You'll just be like, hey, Andy, look. <laughs> Andy drinks bourbon. Oh, I know. <clears throat> She'd be jealous, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Colton, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. As always, uh, where do people find you online? Uh, Palmetto underscore bourbon on Instagram. If you're, if you're looking forward to following some good shit and just communicating and having a good time. Hashtag G mob. Absolutely. Hashtag G mob boys. (laughs) All right. Until next time guys. Yeah, man. Adios. See ya. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'm old there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv